Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Twenty-seven out. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Wednesday, November first, the first day of November, second to last month of two thousand twenty-three. Holy shnikes! 27 outs is the exact number of outs that the Texas Rangers have left to get in order to have their first ever World Series championship. They've never won one. The entire franchise, not one. For all the people complaining that you don't get enough rings in the cities where you are, guess what? Texas, zero. We have much to get to today. I'm going to lead off with new merch alert. Go to davidsampsonpodcast.com. And we have dropped a shirt. If you guessed NCTP as the next shirt and you were the first one to do it, you're a winner and you'll be contacted by us today. No chance toilet pants. One of our favorite expressions. We have shirts. We have hoodies. Horse hockey hoodies. Check out all the colors. DavidSampsonPodcast.com and get that merch. During the show, right now, we're live on Nothing Personal with David Sampson, YouTube channel. Enjoy. We're going to have another drop next month. Don't you worry. All right, let's get to the World Series. Then we have to get to what happened overnight in Las Vegas because Las Vegas is the city that never sleeps. I'm all in on middle of the night stuff in Vegas, but geez, give me a break. But we start with the World Series where if you're a nothing personal fan, you knew way before everybody else that Adolis Garcia and Max Scherzer were done. We told you the Rangers were just playing with you, playing with the media. We'll have an announcement later. We're not sure. He took some swings. We'll get you a status report later. Fox went up with their pregame saying, we're still waiting for news. I was like, hey, why don't you go into the clubhouse and see if there's a locker for two of the replacements. If there's another pitcher who has a full locker and another position player with a full locker, wait a minute. That may give you an idea that Garcia and Scherzer are off your roster. In the postseason, when a player gets injured, the rule is that player can be removed from your set postseason roster, no problem. That player then can be replaced by anyone who was in your organization on August 31st. Anyone from Short A to high A to the major league disabled list, injured list, excuse me, anyone's eligible as long as they were in your organization on August 31st. That's why there's such a rush to get everybody in by that date because that's your postseason eligibility roster. When Adolis Garcia swung the bat and grabbed his side, the Rangers said it was side discomfort. We don't know. It's oblique. And obliques don't get fixed in a day. They don't get fixed in a week. And there was no reason to keep f trying to fool the Diamondbacks. Like, hey, you better prepare for Garcia. There was a thought he'll be available to pinch hit 
in game four, no. You're not available to pinch hit when you have an oblique strain. You can't swing a bat. So the Rangers decided, very close to game time, wink, wink, to take him off the roster. I should have known what that would mean for yesterday's game. Because when you lose your star player, and he's been playing along with Corey Seager, lights out. The MVP of the LCS was Garcia. You you bond together as a team. You sit down, you have a meeting, and this is what happened in the Texas clubhouse when they knew that they were being taken off the roster. There was a meeting, and Garcia said very simply, we've got this. Finish what we've started. You've got this. That's pretty motivating when a player's hurt, except it's the World Series. You really don't need outside motivation. That said, the Rangers came out and absolutely crushed in game four. The final score was 11 to seven if you were sleeping or not watching. And you'd say, wow, that's a close game. And I would say it was 10 nothing and then 11-1. And then there were some garbage time runs. It's sort of like an NBA game when it's a blowout the whole game, but there's a little run at the end. And the final score, look at that. They won 118 to 110 on a backdoor cover. And still it was a blowout. That's sort of what the World Series game was last night at 11 to seven. The only good news for the Diamondbacks actually, as they went home after losing game four, is the closer for the Rangers had to actually pitch in the ninth because the, the Diamondbacks scored a run or two. So they got the closer up. There were two men on, and they ended up doing it. He threw 11 pitches, whatever. Moral victories are not important in the postseason, though that was a moral victory for the Diamondbacks. So Scherzer won't be able to pitch game seven, which is a lucky break for the Rangers. Garcia is no longer in the middle of their lineup, which is a lucky break for the Diamondbacks. Marcus Simeon is hot. That's a lucky break for the Rangers. Seager is, you can't get him out. That's a tough break for the Diamondbacks. Walker is starting to hit a bit. Carroll is starting to hit a bit. And Marte can't stop hitting. And that's all good for the Diamondbacks. So where are we now? Three to one, everyone's saying that's it. The series ends tonight. That's not exactly how it's going to go, actually. Because the Diamondbacks have Zach Gallen going tonight. They have Merrill Kelly going in game six. And then they have Brandon Fought in game seven. The Rangers have Nathan Ivaldi tonight. Then they have Jordan Montgomery in game six. And then, unknown, but it's going to be John Gray in game seven. Both teams feel that they have the ability to win. That's what's cool about this series. And people are missing that because of the ratings or they're thinking they're not interested They're thinking the games are blowouts, yada, yada, yada. It's pretty cool when both teams have the same level of confidence. The Diamondbacks didn't lose last night and then go home and say, that's it, the series is over. And I know the Rangers under Bochy didn't walk out of the clubhouse up 3-1 and saying, hey, we won the ring. If any organization knows that it takes 108 outs to win a ring, it's the Rangers. Go back and look at the last time they were in the World Series, like 2010, 2011. They were damn close both times. I mean, super close. And it didn't quite work out. So I am not giving up on this year's World Series. I'm not willing to open the show tomorrow 
with the closure of the baseball season, and then all of a sudden we're going to have to talk about Otani every day. Where is he going to sign? The Otani craze can wait a few days. Let's get a few more games in. What else happened during the game that was interesting to me? I don't know why. We, we say this often, and Coca's talking to me right now about a tweet from Pedro Martinez that Corey Seager is the kind of player that you circle before the game and say to yourself, let's give him the Bonds treatment and not let him beat me. Pedro, that's what we've been saying on Nothing Personal, except we said it about Garcia. We've said it about different players through the course of the postseason. Of course I feel this way, especially the approach to Seager who swings at every first pitch. Why would you ever give him something to hit on a first pitch and let him hit a home run? But yes, on the Rangers, you don't want Seager to beat you. But Zach Gallon is going to challenge him. Zach Gallon will challenge him tonight. Don't you worry. All right, I want to get quickly here. That's enough on the game. It's game five tonight. Our pick was the Diamondbacks yesterday. We lost it. We're 158 and 160. We're going with the Diamondbacks again. We had the Diamondbacks winning in seven games when the series started. I have no reason to change that pick. As despondent as everyone is in Arizona and as thrilled as everyone is in Texas, this series is going sort of how I pictured it would go, other than I didn't expect it to be a full blowout in a bullpen game yesterday. But I would expect Zach Gallon to win at home. I would expect Merrill Kelly to win at in Texas. And I think Brandon Fought is ready to go in game seven. We'll see what happens. But that's my pick. All right, let's get to what happened in the NFL I love fiery managers. I'm in. When your team isn't performing, you blame it on the manager. Absolutely. I'm good with it. When you have an unrealistic expectation about your team and you sign a bunch of players and then it doesn't work, you got to fire someone. I never liked firing the manager and the general manager at the same time because that's a lot of tumult. The Raiders last night fired their general manager and their coach. Yes, that is true. When you make a decision that you're gonna fire someone, here's how you have to make that decision. It's based on, have we gone to the point of no return? Have we lost the moon? And the moon in this case is this season. Can it come back? If it can't come back, there's no rush to fire someone because it's not gonna improve. When you fire someone early in a season, you do it because you think that you haven't lost the moon, that you haven't lost your season, and that if you replace the manager, you have an opportunity to win that particular year. The NFL, when you do an in-season coaching change, it's harder than any other sport because it's hard in the middle of a season to get a brand new playbook, a brand new feel for your team, a brand new, brand new approach. It's much harder for interim coaches to succeed in football than it is in baseball. So when owners want to make a change in football, my opinion is they do it with the feeling, hey, this season is lost. If the Raiders feel like their season is lost and they're upset that they signed Jimmy G and they gave him all that money, what did they give him? Three years, 72 million bucks? And you know that Adams, your wide receiver, is throwing his helmet and he's furious. If you make a coaching change the day after a player tantrum, you've lost the clubhouse. You think that their new coach, who is it, the former giant, what's his name, Coca, I'm blanking right now, Antonio Pierce, is that right? You think he's walking in 
he's promoted. He was a coach on, on the Raiders. But you think that he's got the respect when the players know that the front office and the owner is reacting to what the players do and the tantrums that the players have, the whispers that they had, they want to get rid of McDaniels. Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, you've seen him, Al Davis's son. Not unlike Hal Steinbrenner, grew up with a very, very large figure as a father, overwhelming figure in George Steinbrenner and Al Davis. And then you were given the team and you run the team now. Hal Steinbrenner runs the team as his dad would not have. That is why Cashman and Boone have jobs year after year after year. He doesn't like firing people the way his dad George did. That's Hal Steinbrenner. Mark Davis is very much like his dad and doesn't run from that. He actually embraces it. The Raiders go through coaches the way we went through managers with the Marlins. Antonio Pierce is going to be the eighth different coach since Mark Davis took over. In addition, though, he's looking for his fifth general manager. This is where I have the problem. We had very consistent views of who the GM would be. We had Larry, we had Jim Beatty in Montreal. Then we had Larry Beinfest for a large number of years in Florida. And then we went to Mike Hill and then Mike Hill and then Mike Hill. That's all we had. Larry Beinfest and Mike Hill. Now, you could say you guys never won anything. Yeah, we did. We won a World Series. You could say, well, after that, you didn't win anything. I'll say, well, we had a good year in 09. We were in it for a while, even in 15 and 16. But I'm not going to defend that. I'm just going to tell you, we didn't want at the same time to have no GM and no manager. It's too much. Mark Davis makes the decision to fire both. Okay. When you fire in the middle of a season, you have to have a plan for how the team is going to operate. Because unlike other jobs where you could fire someone and they could stay on for two weeks, or you could tell them, hey, here's your notice, but please help with the transition. In sports, when you fire a manager or a general manager, they're gone that day. They pack up their office. There's somebody watching over them from security. They walk to their car and you send them the rest of their crap the next day done. When you do that, you've got to have the replacement ready. And if you have the replacement ready, when you do the firing, that's the PR, that's the statement. The Las Vegas Raiders have decided to let go of their coach and general manager. Replacing them on an interim basis will be blank and blank. That's a statement. Instead, at 10 p.m. local time in Vegas, Mark Davis says, after much thought about the, what the Raiders need to move forward, I've decided to part ways with Josh and Dave. In a statement, don't do that. Be much more formal. Give last names. It's really not that nice. Oh, we know each other so well. They're like family. That's my other thing I love in statements. Oh, it's so sad. It's like firing my son. These guys are like families, and I wish their families well. Give me a break. I've decided to part ways with Josh and Dave. I want to thank them both for their hard work and wish them and their families nothing but the best. I'm sure their families are whistling Dixie out of their tuchus when they were woken up out of a slumber at 10 p.m. because their father and husband just got canned. 
10 p.m. for that announcement. You just had that epiphany. You just decided today that you were going to fire him. What were you, giving it thought? Were you calling on people, asking their opinions, Mark? You could have had this announcement done at 5 p.m. local time, an hour after the trade deadline, which is not very nice of you to have your general manager work the trade deadline and then can him. But do it right then and there, 10 p.m. And then, that's 1 a.m. Eastern time. Then he waits an hour to name the interim coach. And then waits an hour more to name the interim GM. What's the story with that? I find it to be unreasonable. When you fired Josh and Dave, you knew who was replacing them. You were going to promote someone from who was working for Dave because there's no way you're bringing in someone new to run the football operation. You can't do that midseason. doesn't work. So you promote from within and you name them the interim. Fine. You haven't figured out who on your coaching staff you're going to move up to become the head coach? There can't be an hour. There has to be phone calls made by Antonio Pierce at 10.01 p.m. Frankly, I would have our managers make those coaches, the new manager, make the, make the calls to players before we even announced it. I don't want my players reading as they're going to bed or they're out in the Bellagio, reading that their coach got fired. It's ridiculous. So Mark Davis has decided that he believes the Raiders season is salvageable, but he decides it very late at night leaving the media, figuring out when to report it, how to report it. Do we break in news? Do we bring people back who are sleeping? I find it all quite unreasonable. And it's not exactly that he just thought of it because the Raiders just got bad. It's pretty funny. All right. What's going to happen with the Raiders? They're going to have this interim coach. Antonio Pierce will be the interim coach. He will count as a minority coach in the stats for this year. Then they'll have to do a full coaching search. I wonder whether he'll try to get John Gruden back. That'd be funny. It's going to be interesting. Antonio Pierce's first game is against his old team. I don't know if you know that. He won a Super Bowl for the Giants. He's now going to get to coach against the Giants. So Raiders play the Giants. And then we're going to see the Raiders again in prime time as they face the Jets. I'd like to speak on behalf of all fans everywhere. And I think that there should be a mandate that the Jets, Raiders, and Giants are not allowed in primetime. I'm just throwing it out there. For those of you who are watching every weekend in primetime, wondering why it keeps being the New York teams, it's the same people who decide that the Red Sox and Yankees should be on primetime every single week as well. It's the market, baby. All right. Let me give you a minute during this break to get on davidsampsonpodcast.com. Go check out the No Chance Toilet Pants. Let me know at davidsampsonpodcast.com if you like the design. I think you're going to. I think it's funny. I like it. I'm getting the hoodie. I'm also getting the horse hockey hoodie because it's freezing in the Northeast right now. All right, we come back. We're going to review a documentary that you asked me to watch, and I had not realized it had come out. And I thought for sure I knew the story of Millie Vanilli, and it turns out I was wrong. And then I want to tell you something that's going on with the regional sports networks that's going to impact you as a fan of either basketball or hockey or baseball. And we'll do it right after the break. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook 
an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400, or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425, right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. How are you? I love when you give me suggestions on Twitter at David P. Sampson or on uh, the website, davidsampsonpodcast.com. I keep a list. I really do on my phone a list of what movies you ask me to watch, and I try to get to them. I'm in the middle of a Better Call Saul significant uh, binge, that is for sure. But I still am watching movies too. So you asked me to watch Millie Vanilli, and I did. So that's from the 90s or 80s. I was like in my prime music phase. And you know, girl, you know it's true. Blame it on the rain. I mean, there's songs that we've all heard of. Then they had the biggest scandal that didn't involve doing bad things to people. The Milli Vanilli scandal was a Watergate-style cover-up that it turns out those handsome hunks weren't singing at all. They were lip-syncing. And it became a big deal because people felt defrauded. They were in love with Fabrice and Rob. They thought they had the greatest voices, the greatest dance moves, the greatest buys, tries, and delts. Turns out they had everything but the greatest voices. This documentary talks about, and they have Coca. Uh, they have one of them interviewed, and I don't want to spoil it because only one of them is interviewed, and there's a reason why only one of them is interviewed, and I'm blanking whether it was Rob or Fabrice. I think it may have been Fabrice who was interviewed, or it may have been Rob. Sorry, Coca. I can't believe I'm having this sort of brain melt at 8.21 in the morning on a random hump day, first day of November. Do you have it? Do you know? I don't want to spoil it. All right, here's why you need to watch the documentary, even if you don't like or never heard of Millie Vanilli. What music executives do to artists we've read about, where they sign these contracts, they don't know what they're signing, and then they become famous, and George Michael says, I'm famous, I don't want to do any albums for you. And there's tons of artists who end up fighting with their record label, except there's a million artists who get signed by labels who never make it, who are just thrilled to have an opportunity to make an album. And then once they make it, they're pissed that they signed that contract. I'm a little bitter about this. I'm bitter about this because 
you never read about all the people where, and this is not David Sampson, face of corporate greed. The number of people, it's like player agents. Do you know how many players are signed by agents who don't make it? And the agents, and this is me defending agents, can you believe it? Agents spend so much money on players who don't net them a dollar. They don't get to arbitration, they don't get to the big leagues, they get nothing, except they get funded by the agency. There's a whole cost center within an agency of just cost of doing business. That's the same thing with a record label. You sign a bunch of acts, they cut like they cut albums, and guess what? They suck. They don't make it. And then once someone does make it, they're like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not going to make songs for you. I didn't expect you to get this much money. Give me a break. So Fabrice is in this video, is in this documentary telling the story of Millie Vanilli, telling the story of what they signed, why they signed it, telling the story of how bad it was, telling the story of the insanity of fame and the people who want to be famous, who become famous and then realize fame is not all that it's cracked up to be. Neither's cracking up. Keep that in mind for everybody who wants to be famous. The grass seems to be very green. Fame and money. Not always, and not for everyone. It's called Millie Vanilli. Okay. I don't want to spoil the fact that it's Rob who died. Let them let them watch the documentary, Coca. Wait, was my microphone on for that? Hello? All right, start again. Four, six, nine. Go ahead and watch Millie Vanilli. I think you're going to like it. All right, let's get an update for you. About a year ago, under a year ago, when Diamond Sports filed Chapter 11, we've done, go back to shows I've done with Skipper, go back to previous Nothing Personal episodes. There's a way to search it, I think, or you can just look for previous episodes where we talked about what it meant when regional sports networks go bankrupt, so to speak. MLB has said, we will take over. We will get the games to our fans if we have to. MLB, the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Arizona Diamondbacks who are three wins away from winning the World Series, their TV was done by Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is trying to figure out how many teams it's going to have to be the broadcaster for next season because Diamond Sports Group is still in Chapter 11. Chapter 11 is when you are asking a judge to help you reorganize your business, figure out what assets you're gonna keep, what liabilities you're gonna get rid of, how your company's gonna run as it emerges from Chapter 11. Diamond Sports has not been able to emerge after all this time because they don't have a plan that can work. The TV landscape is so complicated and changing so quickly that the old formula of a regional network getting all sorts of money, it's over. It's all about direct to consumer. It's all about streaming. It's all about people wanting to pay for what they want, not for what they don't want. That's one of the issues that ESPN is having. So this is not just a diamond sports issue. But what happened in the last week is worth mentioning here today. Rob Manford is in a tough position. And he's in a tough position because we are between one and three days away from free agency in baseball. The non-tenders are gonna start, going after Otani's gonna start. What is the one thing you've learned that is required when you head into an off season in baseball? The one thing, your budget. 
The president of the team has to give a budget to the GM so the GM can figure out what moves he or she is going to make. Now it's just he, I guess. The owner has to approve the budget. This process starts during the previous season. We would start our budgeting process in June or July. Fiscal year ends October 31, and you are starting November 1 today. Every team has a different fiscal year. Some people do it calendar. Some people do it November 1 to October 31. Some people do it January 1 to December 31. Doesn't matter. That's just accounting. You need your payroll. What do you need to get a payroll? You need your budget. What do you need for a budget? You need your revenue. What do you do when you're a team that doesn't know what its TV revenue is going to be? You panic. You call up baseball and you say, hey, commissioner, is Diamond Sports going to stand by their deal with our team? I don't know. Well, can you find out? All right, let me get back to you. Dear Judge, my name is Rob Manford. I am going to put a filing in the U.S. Bankruptcy Court in Texas. I need to know right now what Diamond Sports Group is doing. I need to know, are you paying or are you not? Because if you're not, we're going to have to broadcast your games because the fans are going to get to see every game, no issue. But if you're not going to stand by your contract and we're going to take the rights back, then we have to tell the teams that we're only going to promise you up to 80% of what your revenue was going to be under the Diamond Sports Regional Network deal that you had. Then the owners say, all right, 80% of 60 million, no problem. We now know we have 48 million of TV revenue, no problem. Our payroll, our budget is going to reflect that downturn in expected revenue. Can it be made up with attendance? No. Can it be made up with corporate sales? No. It's made up by lowering payroll. That's why Rob needs to get the information from the bankruptcy court so he can give it to the teams so the teams can make the budgets so the teams can then decide who they're going to sign, who they're not going to sign. So who else is interested in Diamond Sports Group and their bankruptcy? The union. The reason the union's interested is they're concerned for what payrolls are going to be and what total comp is going to be for their players. It's not a small deal that Diamond Sports Group can't get itself reorganized and can't get information to baseball about which deals it's going to honor and which deals it's not. And the only way to expedite it would be through a court order. So baseball's trying to get that done. But guess what? Guess who doesn't care about a team budget? The court. The court is interested in figuring out an entire plan of reorganization for Diamond Sports Group. It's interested in dealing with all of its creditors, of which the teams are some, not all. The court doesn't care whether or not the Marlins should pick up an option or sign a free agent. The court doesn't care if the Diamondbacks don't know what their total revenue is going to be from local broadcasting. It's not even in the top 10 of what the judge is dealing with with this Diamond Sports Group reorganization. So what baseball is trying to argue is that if you don't tell us, then we're left to our own devices. 
It's interesting to me. If I'm Rob Manfred, I would rather not know. I would leave it alone and I would have an owner's meeting this November where I would vote on the relocation, which is ridiculous. I congratulate the winner of the World Series. And then I would point out to the teams who have local deals with Diamond Sports Group, you better be and you better show a lot of discretion. You better watch out with your payrolls, gentlemen, because you have no guarantee of revenue. And if you can't show me that you've got the debt capacity or that you're going to write a check for your team, you better watch your numbers because we're not promising you anything. And if an owner is responsible and smart, they would not sign players or raise their payroll. That's the real ideal world. But in the real, real world, owners are not smart. Owners are emotional. Owners want players. Owners think players help them win. Owners want to spend money to get the players to help them win and then wonder why they don't win. That's why Rob, as the commissioner, has a job to save owners from themselves. So instead of having it be speculation, you try to give owners hard facts. You, your TV revenue is down 20%. You, your TV, your TV revenue is exactly what you thought it would be. As a president of a team, I appreciated the hard facts from the commissioner. Owners don't care. We would put slides in owners' meetings about time lost to injuries, about don't sign pitchers to seven years or more because look at how injured they get, about look at this guarantee and look at that guarantee, look at the money you're losing. They would put up financials of teams and try to embarrass you in front of your colleagues. Look at this team. Your team lost $20 million. Look at your team. You're not compliant with the debt service rule. Look at your team. You're a putz. You lost this number of dollars to disabled players because you're signing old players. And you know what owners would do? They'd look at the board. They'd look at their phone. They'd look at the board. They'd look at their phone. They'd look at the team president. And then the meeting would end and they'd go back on their private plane and go back to their city and they didn't give a tinker's damn. It didn't work to embarrass the owners that way. But I, I give Rob credit. Rob is trying. I don't think he's going to get any sort of relief from the court, but we'll see. So that's the update. Transition, not easy to transition to this. Have you seen in the news recently the violence that's taking place at sporting events? I was thinking about doing a segment on what's going on in the Middle East again. I've done one segment. It is absolutely unconscionable, the anti-Semitism, the rampant anti-Semitism that is going on everywhere. The fact that it seems okay to be anti-Semitic. The violence that is happening in every region the misunderstanding that people have about what Israel's doing and why they're doing it, the lack of people understanding that what Hamas does is put their leaders and use human Palestinians as human shields. That's why you have to bomb refugee camps and hospitals. They didn't bomb that hospital. Hamas is not stupid, and Israel has to eliminate Hamas. 
Whether your view of war, whatever your view is of what's happening in the Middle East, here's a thought on what your view can't be. Racist. All we do is preach tolerance. War is war. You can have your view of it. But to march on campuses and to have demonstrations and rallies and to be violent and to talk about anti-Semitism in a way and to threaten both cyber threatens, actual threats. Do you think that violence is now just normalized? Why is sports caught up in the violence of war? It's sports. It's because of betting, because of money, religion, land, history. I've had just about enough of violence in sports, fan violence. I'm gonna show you a picture right now if you're watching Nothing Personal with David Sampson. I just want you to look at this picture. Coco, will you put it up please, if you don't mind? That's Fabio Grosso, Grosso, I'm sorry. He's the coach of Lyon. They're a League One soccer match. Do you see his face? If not, I'll give you the description. He got the crap kicked out of him by fans of Marseille, another team. Keep the picture there, Coca. I want people to look. I want people to look and then explain to me. I don't care if your team loses and they're supposed to win. They win and they're supposed to lose. They stink. They gave up a goal. They did a handy. They did a footy. I don't care what happened. Explain to me why there should be a right why you as a person have a right to be violent against anyone on another team. Forget the fact that I have a view of violence against a person in a non-battle situation. I'm just curious. What gives you the right? All Leon was doing was trying to leave a game. That's it. It's an unbelievable black eye for one of my favorite countries, which is France, the fact that this happened. There were rioting fans. The game was canceled because of these fans. Then when the supporters were leaving, look at what they did to the supporter bus in Marseille. In 2003, we were leaving Wrigley Field and there were people who surrounded our bus and we were scared. It never occurred to me that it was gonna be violent. They were hitting the bus and they were angry that we had won game six and game seven and they were even touching the bus and we got out of there and we were not scared. It didn't occur to me 20 years ago that there could be a level of violence in Wrigley Field that would cause me to actually be fearful. I was happy to be on the bus, don't get me wrong. I was happy to have Big John around me, don't get me wrong. But it never occurred to me that there would be riot mass violence. It never occurred to me that games would have to be canceled for anything other than disco night. Now it seems in Europe, it's standard. 
Marseille is a city that's only 500 miles south of Paris. Marseille is hosting Olympic events. This summer, Paris Olympics, French Olympics, and the violence that's going on in France should make the Olympic Committee realize, too late to do it, although I guess they could go to Saudi Arabia, too late to do it, but the amount of violence there, if I'm an athlete, I'm scared. I wanna see the security plan. So Marseille had to make a statement. Obviously, you have to do a statement when that happens. They deplore the unacceptable incidents that took place in the vicinity of the Stade, involving the official team bus and buses of the supporters. The club wishes Lyon coach Fabio Grasso a speedy recovery and strongly condemns this violent behavior, which has no place in the world of football or in society. So far, this statement doesn't go far enough. But then they get to the second paragraph. Because of a handful of thoughtless people, the party planned for this evening, which is the game, has been ruined, and 65,000 fans have been deprived of attending a football match. Handful. What do you think of when I say handful? Four? I mean, if you have two hands, even if you have big hands. Let's say you've got really big hands, and you can have a handful, 10? Can you get your hands around 10 people, eight people? It wasn't a handful. It wasn't even a gaggle. It was a swarm. I think there should be a penalty against Marseille. And here's what the penalty should be. You don't get to have fans in your games for the rest of the season. If we don't start meting out penalties that are disproportionate, and hope that those become a deterrent for those fans. How are we gonna fix it? All right, I'll go one level deeper then. How about mass arrests and imprisonment? David, I hate when you do that. I hate when you say that people should be put in jail. Really, I hate when people think that it's okay to beat the crap out of somebody else or to think that a sporting event is a good opportunity to be violent. It's a sporting event. God forbid this leaks to the U.S., which in some ways it does. In some ways it started. We did a whole segment on the individual fights that go on in stadiums, in football games. What do you do about stopping fights that take place? We're worried when there's one fight, when one guy gets hurt in a parking lot, or when one thing happens in the stands. What happens when it's 10,000 people who are doing it to each other? You think there'd be serious repercussions here in the U.S.? You're damn right there would be. Speaking of me being grumpy, I want to end the show with what, what's going on in Saudi Arabia. You got to tip your cap to them because they did it. Let me tell you what they did. Did we have a wait to see? I think we did. That Saudi Arabia is going to host the World Cup in 2034. Well, they had competition from Australia, and for whatever reason, Australia decided, you know what, we change our mind. We're not gonna bid. <laughs> Guess how many countries are bidding to host the World Cup? One of the great events to host. It's the cream of the creme. You want it. Great economic development, it's great everything. I can give you an economic study that shows hundreds of millions of dollars of benefit, billions of dollars, jobs galore. The total number of people who want to host the World Cup in 2034, you guessed it, Saudi Arabia. I wonder who's going to get the World Cup. 
Well, guess what? Saudi Arabia got the World Cup. Is there any more blatant form of corruption and payola than FIFA awarding the World Cup to Saudi Arabia? When is it going to come out? How much money was given to the Australian Federation to withdraw their bid? Because you think they just did it for S's and G's? Hey, do you have a dollar I can spare, FIFA? You don't think that Saudi Arabia gave money to FIFA to give to Australia? Surely you jest. David, you have no proof. I'm not an investigative journalist. Of course I'm speculating. But you don't think it's funny that there was one bidder bidding against Saudi Arabia and then they disappeared like Joe Pesci and Goodfellas? See you later. So FIFA finally has made it very clear that none of it matters. Doesn't matter what your country does, doesn't matter what your country believes in. Look, we did the World Cup in Qatar and everything was rainbows and unicorns. It's not like any workers died building the stadiums. It's not like they weren't ready, but Saudi Arabia fulfills every requirement to host a World Cup. They've got four stadiums already built. Way to go. Oh, that's right. Thank God we changed the rule because it didn't used to be four. You had to have more. But Saudi Arabia only has four, so you better change the rule that all you need is four. Now they'll start building. FIFA bent over backwards to placate Saudi Arabia, to get Saudi Arabia to host the World Cup. Why? Why would that be? There's a benefit? What could the benefit be to FIFA for having the World Cup in Saudi Arabia? Hmm. I can't think of one. Hold on. Give me a minute because they've got a league, so players are signing there for a ton of money. That may be it, because Messi's a spokesperson. That's pretty good, because Ronaldo actually plays there and is a spokesperson. That's good, because now Saudi Arabia is a legitimate place, the soccer hotbed of the world. Yeah, that's good. To cap it off with hosting the World Cup, outstanding. I triple dare anybody to tell me that there was no corruption. To that, I say, no chance, toilet pants. This World Cup smells. It stinks. It's disgusting. And you know what? What do we do? I'll give you three options, and I'm going to violate all three of them, so I'm going to have to go back and think quite a bit more about it. Do we not watch? That's hard to do. Do we not promote? That's hard to do. Do we not engage? That's hard to do. You want to show FIFA? The entire world can show FIFA by doing no deals, no sponsorships. Every single company that does business in North America don't do business with FIFA for the World Cup in Saudi Arabia. You think that that's possible to happen? It's just business. Welcome to Saudi Arabia, FIFA. This is nothing personal. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.